you don't have kids, so you can do this extra stuff. You don't have kids, so you can do this extra stuff. And at some point, it's more about saying, I don't have kids, and that's my choice. And it wasn't to make your life easier. It was to make my life fulfilling. Hi, I'm Anna Olson, and you're listening to We're Not Kidding, a podcast devoted to sharing stories surrounding the child-free life. As a life coach, I'm passionate about helping women feel confident and empowered in their choice not to have children. And I believe that by sharing our stories, we help break the stigma. So let's dive in. All right. Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. I am super excited. Today, we have Maggie Dickens with us, who for like, I think you're the only one who I haven't met through Instagram. We actually met on TikTok. (laughs) We did. (laughs) Which is a space that I am not, I'm like an observer in. I have an account, but I don't do a lot there. But yeah, it led me to you, which is pretty cool. And I've really enjoyed getting to meet you, getting to follow your content, which is awesome. And yeah, thank you so much for being here. It's an honor to have you. Oh, thank you. I I think you and I have talked. I am, I enjoy TikTok as an, so much better. So I'm on it more, even though I'm really on there watching dog videos most of the time. <laughs> I like to hang out. <laughs> just those random things, right? Where you're just watching someone who's doing something like painting a pot. And I'm like, I don't paint and I don't do ceramics, but I'm going to watch you for three minutes. Like, yeah, I totally go on TikTok just to sort of veg out in a way. It's an escape for me. Mm-hmm. So I'm avoiding TikTok right now because I think I have like 30 something things to do. And I'm like, nope. Yeah. My brain. Can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> I support your avoidance. I think. <laughs> it's, it's a break. Boundaries. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it's a nice boundary. <laughs> Speaking of boundaries, would you mind telling us like who you are, uh, a little bit about yourself and what you do? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm Maggie Dickens and I'm a licensed professional counselor in Texas. So that means I work with people who are coming in to have mental health support. Now that's half of my life. I have my own private practice and we meet online and I've been, you and I have talked about this. Uh, I've been counseling. If we can... If we consider my pre-licensed stuff, I've been doing this for about 16 years. So I've been doing it for quite a while. And the other half of my life, the the part of my life that is just oh so fun, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that other half of my life is working with child-free by choice and childless by circumstance people who are ready to enhance and maximize their life without kids. So what that looks like is a little bit different from my counseling space. My counseling space is one-on-one and I do have some one-on-one clients, but I'm kind of phasing that out a little bit right now and moving into a group model. So group coaching to help answer the questions of, I've made this decision and, or the decision was made for me. Mm. And here I am, what do I do with my life next so that I'm not living passively, so that I'm not living in this place of, sure, I have the the brand child-free or, you know, childless, but that's not all of who I am. That's not my, you know, the only thing that makes me unique and dynamic. And so 
it, we have a, a community, the unapologetically child-free community, mm-hmm. and it's all about personal growth. And it happens to be personal growth with a bunch of other child-free people. So you get this bonus of finding friendships that you're not going to lose to motherhood or lose to, you know, kind of the judgment or the not, you know, not being understood and that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's really cool. And I think that it'll be interesting, you know, I'd love to hear more about your experience as a child-free coach, which I also am. And, you know, I find I, I started out, I think I'm about, I had to write the dates out because I couldn't remember if I started my child-free coaching in 2020 or 2021 because those two just like have merged. They are mm-hmm. not separate in my brain. Turns out it was 2021, although I've said it was 2020 before, but I, I had to go back to like that first post I put out there. So thank you, Instagram, for capturing that date for me. So yeah, I think like over a year and a half or somewhere around that time frame is when I started coaching around child free specifically. And, you know, I think I'm, I'm, I loved one on one and I love, I still love one on one. I still do that. But the more women I've coached, the more I see the, the importance of community. Because while I can have the help them as a coach and sort of figure out, you know, where they want to go and what they want to do with their child-free decision and whatever that looks like. But having that community to to show you that you're not alone, not just to like hear on a podcast that you're not alone, which helps. It totally helps. But like that person-to-person interaction where you're just instantly connected with a group who get it and you can message or comment and connect. And I think that that is just the next level that I find so exciting. And I'm kind of like moving that direction too. It's like, how do we, how do we go from, I don't think I'm not going to move away from one-on-one coaching, but how do I incorporate like bringing everyone together too? So it just like amplifies the feelings of not being alone and knowing that you have support and community. Yeah. How many are in the we're not kidding community? It's actually right now it's at like 190. It's almost to 190. Yeah. But not everyone's active. I think, you know, because I opened it up for free. I had it paid and then I made it free. And now, and so a lot of people like we had a big surge in, in membership growth, but you know, not everyone's active and I don't, it's a different platform. So I think it takes a little bit of getting used to, but um, yeah. So that's at, yeah. 190. That's so amazing. That's such a great number. That's a, that's a great uh, from my personal experience that 100 to 200 mark on an online forum, for lack of a better term, an online space where it's not this structured um, coaching program. It's a, the the way that I think about it, and I, I call my program a collective, it's, it's a collective. It's all of these people, all of these minds and you know, I would assume you're not in the middle of it in every single com- conversation. It's everyone's connecting with each other. And so there, there's this community that is building itself up and you're finding your own people. And with a hundred to 200, my personal experience is you have enough of a, of a group to say, oh, I like this person and this group of people and this person, but eh, they're not my jive. They're not my vibe. And 
you know, we don't have anything in common and you can still find your people without it getting so large that it's easy to only just say, I comment on this person's stuff or, oh, I don't even know who that is. And I see this in some of the spaces you and I were talking about Reddit earlier. There's a couple of Reddit threads that have, you know, tens of thousands, if not, you know, more than that in there. And it's hard to say like, Anna, you know, I've talked to Anna every day online and she's my person, which you can do when you have a hundred to 200, which is, is awesome for, mm. for, the, for the community that you have to, for people to find that niche, I guess, if, if you will, they're kind of, they're people. Yeah. 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 Thanks. I, I really hope so. That's cool to hear that back too. And, you know, something you were saying earlier, you know, with the the collective that you have. And I, I know that I have found in conversations with people that it's kind of, there's almost this, okay, I've decided I don't want kids. And if they weren't sure before, you know, it's easy to picture what parent, like if they were on the fence, one, one path was kind of, there was a picture there, the parenthood side, right? Like we can all sort of envision what that looks like, but then this other one that they ultimately ended up deciding is just like wide open and it can be kind of overwhelming or like, where do I start? So is that kind of what you're helping people build out in your collective? And what does that look like? It's That's a really great summary for part of what the collective looks like. Yeah. So the idea is it's... One of the questions that many people ask themselves and that society will pose is who am I, right? Like who is, who is Anna? Who is Maggie? And often we like to say, you know, these are the things that I do. I'm a coach. I'm a counselor. I'm a a daughter. I'm a girlfriend. I'm a, you know, a dog mom, whatever, but that's not who I am. Those are things that I do. Those are labels that have been put on me. Some of them I like, some of them I don't, right? And so inside the collective, it's a it's an interesting model because I don't really know what to call it other than a collective, other than a unique experience. So in the in the collective, it's a 4-month weekly meetings with me and a group of like-minded other child-free women, childless women. And we identify and prioritize values. What do you value? And a lot of people will say, well, I don't know. I, I value friendship. Okay. And, 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 um, I've got a list of 80 different values that we go through and, Sometimes that doesn't even cover it. And so we add things in. So identifying and prioritizing your values, a lot of which you're probably so well-versed in is identifying those things that we believe that hold us back, right? The, The things that often we were told to believe about ourselves and about the world, and we don't actually subscribe to that. So working through that barrier, working through the things that keep us stuck and keep us in a place of feeling meh, <laughs> that's that's yeah. the way that I like it. The, the people that I work with, their lives are fine. They're not in this place of, of kind of desperation because I think that often yields for a need for therapy. They're still in that place of working through grief or they're needing to make a decision 
And that's not what we're doing here. So they're they're like, meh, it's okay. It's fine. And so then the third part, so we've got clarity. Um, that's kind of looking at your values. We've got courage, looking at the things that are keeping us stuck. And then confidence in detailing out our own picture. So since we don't have that picture of what life looks like as a child-free person, it's very individualized. What does my life look like? And I call it your yes life. So if you think about going through a grocery store, it's like, I'm going to pick up, I'm going to pick up all these things off of the shelf and put it into my life and actively say yes to it versus it just like falling into my cart and being like, "Eh, okay, I guess I'll keep it. Right. So it's, it's very much being active in life versus being passive. And I think that the child-free community has taught me more than I think any other space that there is power in making a choice, whether to be a parent or to not be a parent. When you actively choose, there's so much freedom in that ability to say, I did this. And there's so much confidence that says, okay, I did this. I have the ability to own my life and to be, and to take ownership of the things that I do versus it being like, life is happening around me. If that, you know, if that resonates with anyone, I think that to me is the biggest piece of child-free experience and the child blessed by circumstance who are, who've worked through grief and they're saying, I want to own this life and, and enjoy it without kids, even though that wasn't the plan. And there can be this freedom and confidence that comes from doing that. Mm, Yeah. Oh, I love that. And as you were talking about kind of life happening to you versus you actively creating and choosing your life. Like I was reflecting on my own experience because I feel like, I mean, for the first, I'm going to say like 26 years of my life, maybe more, like I very much was sort of life happened to me and I lived kind of reacting or, or just like, yeah, without much agency. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, you know, I've talked before about how realizing I didn't want to have kids and making that choice was like the one decision in my life where I felt the most myself. And I think it is because it was definitely where I think I kind of took ownership of my life. And yeah, yeah, kind of stepped kind of stepped out of that, just like living life by default, kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that default often comes from that place of external pressure mm-hmm. of do this because this is the model. And and to be fair, I think often we have forgotten as a society to ask the questions of what's the origin of this, this example. And I think we do this in business. This is how it's always been done. How many times do we hear people in a corporate environment say, well, why are we, why is this the standard operating procedure? Well, it's been that way for 10 years. Okay. Technology has changed in 10 years. We need to have an update. And I think that's the same thing of what does family look like and what does a fulfilling life look like and what does, uh, you know, quote unquote, a woman's purpose. I want to kind of gag when people bring that up in terms of having, you know, children, but what does that really look like? Because often these models are based in either decades prior or, you know, hundreds of years prior. And when we stop and slow down and are very purposeful, 
I don't care what the decision is. I don't care what your life looks like. It's more about that it's yours and that this you're taking an opportunity that you have alive right now to say, this is it. Five years from now, it may be different. I could completely change my mind. I've done that three or four times in my life, just like hard left turns, you know, just yeah. <laughs> completely different paths. But many of us are on that, especially, I, I find this to be especially true with your younger Gen X all the way to older Gen Z. So all the millennial and then kind of the the blurry ends. Yeah. That where there was this pipeline, there was this how to be an adult, how to be a successful, productive, happy, quote unquote, adult, which was go to college, find a partner, find a job that you're going to stay at for a long time. I remember being told, don't have, don't leave a job in less than three years, but plan on not having any more than three jobs, like three employers in your entire life. <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. <laughs> that that's, doesn't work anymore. Right. So find, you know, school partner, career job, commit to that kids and then raise your kids until you retire and then enjoy being a grandparent. Mm-hmm. And that's when you have all this extra money somehow, somewhere, someone tell me where that's coming from to go and travel and enjoy your life and do all of these things for maybe 10 years, maybe 15, depending on your health and wealth and privilege and all of those things. And it's just, it's an outdated model. And and we've been sold this idea that this there's one way to do it. And you and I are proving that to be completely false. <laughs> Right. I mean, I think I had the three employers covered three years out of college. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> For starters. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's it's wild how easy it is to just like go with the flow until so have you read Glennon Doyle's book? Uh the most recent one, uh Untamed. Untamed. Yeah. So I think it's an untamed. Could be in a Brene Brown book, but I think it's Glennon Doyle talks about moving down the river and hitting rocks and like holding on to these rocks. And the way that I think about it is sometimes we think that uh, my personal therapist actually brought this up to me after she read the book before I I had even read it. You know, we hold on to these rocks thinking that it's going to save us from, you know, this turbulent river that we're on. And sometimes what we need to do is let go of the rock because the water is taking us to where, you know, we'll be more comfortable or where we want to be. And there's a little bit of destiny in that, that I don't necessarily subscribe to, but there is a little bit of that idea of if all we're doing is the same thing over and over, how are we supposed to expect to get out of being stuck or being meh? or, you know, those kinds of things. Right. So it's, I like to, I call myself, (laughs) I call myself a risk averse rebel. So (laughs) it's pushing the system a little bit, but doing so in a very methodical and purposeful way. Oh, I love that. Cool. We need risk averse rebels. (laughs) So I'm curious as we're talking here, like what was your child free 
story. How did you come to know you didn't want to want kids? And what did that look like if you are open to sharing? Yeah, I I talk about it all the time. And, you know, for those that are really interested, I have on my website, the about me page is it's the title of it is I'm a child free millennial and that's my superpower or something like that. And so I'm very open about my experience. And the first is, I don't know when I actively made the decision. I just remember knowing at 20 that I didn't want to have kids. Mm. And if you talk to my dad, who is not a reliable source, but if you talk to my dad, he would say that as soon as I put down playing with baby dolls, that I didn't want to have kids. I don't know if that's true. I think maybe he might be just kind of being supportive. (laughs) Um, But at 20, I knew that I didn't want to have kids. I already had a nephew who was almost three at that point and was very active in his life. And I also, I don't really understand how I came to this conclusion. I don't have that that ovary twitch that a lot of people talk about having when they see kids. I don't have this like, oh my gosh, what would my life be like? I just never had that. Yeah. I've had it for other things in my life. I've had clear visions of what my life would look like with a a committed romantic partner. I've had that when it comes to working in corporate agencies and, and being high up in the ranks. Like I had clear vision of what that would look like, but I never had that with kids. So at 20, this is back in 2007, 2006, I went to the doctor and I asked to be sterilized, was basically laughed out, like just laughed at and was told absolutely not. I cannot have that. I was too young and I'd never had kids, which doesn't make any flipping sense to me because I could have come in and said, hey, I'm having a baby. And they're like, oh my gosh, that's so exciting. But I'm too young to decide the opposite. But that's a whole nother soapbox for a whole nother day. <laughs> then I said, well, you know, I what are my options here? I really don't want to have kids. And she's like, birth control. Cool. I'm not great. I'm 20. Who takes the, you know, who takes birth control the way they're supposed to? Right. Um, So she talked about an IUD and I said, yes, that's what I want. Give me that. And she said, no, you're too young and you've never had kids and the risks are too high to cause you to be sterile. And I'm like, but that's the point. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like that's exactly what I want. Like, I mean, I don't want to put myself at physical risk, um, but she was saying that until I was 26, if I was 26 and didn't have kids, then I could come back and get an IUD. And that's what I did. And so I had, you know, all the, all the horror stories of birth control and all of that kind of stuff that people have the oral birth control. And at 26, I was in another state with another doctor and had no trouble getting an IUD when I was that age. And so that was very eye-opening to me about just how my, my choice didn't matter. It -hmm. was this, you know, kind of the, the questioning and, and the, 
the unsureness, even the doctor who gave me my first IUD was, you know, saying, okay, now here's what happens when you decide you want to have kids, like, here's the process. And I'm like, at what point have I said that this is what I want to do? Right. You know, so yeah. I have a 10 year, I have a 10 year thing and, you know, like, or that's what I started with was 10 before I moved to the five year one, but it was like, no, just put it in. Let's go. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I, it is awful how many stories like yours there are where women are told they don't know what they want. Or, I mean, essentially, I mean, you're being told that you aren't of a certain maturity to make that decision yet. And like you said, if it was the opposite scenario, you came in pregnant and be like, oh, great, let's let's like make sure you take all the steps to have a healthy baby and we're going to like take care of you. But yeah, not so much the other way around. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think that has led me to better. So I guess kind of, you know, one of the things a lot of people ask me, and when I say a lot of people, I mean, like in my personal life, mm-hmm. ask me, Maggie, how did you niche down so small that you went, because prior to working with child-free and childless women, I was, both my counseling practice and my coaching practice were focused for high achieving women with anxiety and sleep and relationship concerns. Like that was what I was doing for years. And what I found is many of my clients who I was working with one-on-one coaching or in counseling were child-free women and, or women who weren't sure or who were just very young and hadn't even thought about it. That was actually, I guess, probably the, the true clear in like, I don't know, North Star, if you want to think about it, the, the way that I get to being a child-free coach is working with 20 something women, 22, 23, 24, who are checking all the boxes. And they're coming to me because they're high achievers. They're, they're anxious. They're working on their MCAT. They're working on their LSAT. They're in, in school. They just got their MBA and they're trying to figure out how to navigate life based off of what they thought success looked like, based off of what they thought happiness was going to look like. And so many of them would get lit up talking about whatever intellectual interest they had. And then there would be this thing of like, yeah, and then I guess I have to figure out how to have a family at some point. And it was one of those things where when they would work through the model and they would get, you know, they would work on clarity of of their values and find their courage to work through what do they truly believe? What do they want to believe? What works for them? There was this confidence that came from deciding, oh my gosh, I am so ready to be a parent, or I really don't ever want to be a parent. Or, and that was in some cases, or in some cases it was, I'm not ready to make that decision because this is what I want in my life. I want these things in my life. And it wasn't necessarily to kid or not to kid, right? (laughs) It was, it it really was, how do I live my life as 
Stacy or Rebecca or Maggie or Anna or whoever, right? And one of the things that I started to see is when when I was working with the child-free, there was this trope, you and I were talking about this, this trope of, well, if I'm child-free, then I have to be traveling the world. I have to have all this extra money and I have to be the great, fun, quirky aunt and all of this stuff. And it's like, you can be whatever fits into your value set. That's what you're working towards. Even if it's you living in you know, solitude on the side of a mountain, if that's what you want, that's that's what needs to happen, not meeting this trope because that's still somebody else's expectation. And that that led me to working with the child free because I know how hard it is for people to take me ser- to to take me seriously. And I've been doing this for 16 years, right? Like I've been very, very much a I'm child free. I don't want kids. It's not my vibe. It's not what I want. And even to this day, I get bingoed all the time. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody's new to it, it can be very, very difficult. Yeah. And when you were talking about the trope of being child-free and sort of, it's almost just like if we're not aware, we can almost exchange one set of check, one checklist for another. Like, okay, so I'm not having kids. I'm not, maybe that means that maybe I'm not buying the house or I'm not, you know, moving to the suburbs or whatever that checklist is and having like two kids by the time I'm 35 or whatever. And instead it's, okay, I have to like have a really successful career. I have to travel. I have to be, like you said, the cool quirky aunt, I, you know, like, or uncle or whomever. And I I love that you have that perspective to help people really hone in on their values and not just like swap out checklists and, and kind of continue in a different default. Yeah. Yeah. It's so I kind of fall a little bit into that trope. Um, I love travel. I actually just got back from Vegas last night. Um, oh, fun. My, <laughs> my boyfriend and I took a long weekend in Vegas and because we can. That being said, I also, you know, part of the collective is finding finding your community and finding your people and being very clear about who do I want, not only what do I want to bring into my life, but who do I want to bring in my life? Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite people in the world, she always, she lives in the Midwest and she lives in what I would consider to be a small town. She always talks about, I would just want to live my mediocre life. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think her life is mediocre. I think she's an, an incredible person and she lives an incredible life. It's very different than mine. She has chickens and ducks and she built them a a chicken coop and paints her own house. And like, she's an incredible person. And that's where her time and her energy goes into, which is all of these hobbies that she has and all of these interests. And she pours herself into that. It's not about climbing the corporate ladder. It's not about traveling the world. Although, you know, she, she does vacation, but it works for her. And that's what brings her joy. She would not enjoy my life and I would not enjoy hers, but we're able to be friends and we're able to really have a connection because in my mind, because we started being friends knowing that we were child-free and we were able to then trust that we weren't going to lose each other to motherhood. Mm. And so we got vulnerable and we got real with each other and 
we did this over years and years. And that's where like the collective is different because it's meant to speed that up instead of waiting 10, <laughs> 10 years to like be like, oh, I found my friends, right? You can speed up that vulnerability or that opportunity for vulnerability mm-hmm. and be able to find someone who's two time zones away, who lives a completely different life, but that is your person because it doesn't, because we're not checking off a box that says, I have to go, you know, all of my girlfriends have to live within five miles because we have to go to brunch every single Saturday, or we have to do that. We don't have to do anything. Mm. Yeah. I love that. And I love that you have created a space that can speed up that vulnerability and those friendships. I think that that is so, yeah, it's so cool. And it's so true that it's when we're able to, and, and I don't know, there, there's already like, if you meet someone that's child-free, you already know that you have probably faced the same big bingos, like have some very similar experiences. So I think that alone builds level of connection. But then when you're like processing something like my values, what are my values? And doing that in a space with other people, that opens up that vulnerability piece. And, you know, there are, I'm sure there are other things you do that go even farther into that, like sharing and being open and just doing that amongst others can really fast track that connection, like you said, which is really cool. The community to me is what is most important. And when it comes to why I do what I do, And do it in a group setting versus the individual setting. Because like I said, I've worked with, I've done one-on-one. I still have some one-on-one clients and I will continue to do one-on-one when it works best for that person and and what they're needing. Um, Inside the collective, I also offer a couple of one-on-ones with me while they're Mm. part of the group. And the group came about because, I don't know if you see this in, in your work, but there's this thing of like, man. Megan and Stacy, I think they'd get along so well and they would be such great friends. And, and it's not something that we can do. We can't be the, the friend matchmakers that sometimes we want to be. And I think in the group setting, it allows that and it allows it to happen organically and, and naturally, even though it's almost in this like incubator, we had a, a, kind of a sneak peek inside the collective last week, I think it was. And a couple of people showed up and the way that I thought about it was I've never seen the show, but I've had people talk about it. Love is blind where people, it was a dating reality. show. Okay. And it was, you know, you're talking to somebody through a wall and you get to know them before you ever see them. So you're not judging your connection based off of attraction. And that's kind of the way that I think about these types of things where it's, we're not looking at the piece of paper that says, this is what Anna brings to the table as a friend, right? And saying that doesn't work for me. Oh, I don't, I'm not interested in that. Oh, I'm not interested in that. We're not going to have anything in common. Instead, it's saying, okay, I feel connected to this person. And now do I choose to bring them in based off of what we do have in common versus don't? And seeing a person for who they are and not necessarily these external things that that often can really not give us the full picture. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And <laughs> I was laughing when you were describing earlier, like the friend matchmaking, when you're 
working with clients, I'm like, I'm always, yeah, I have had that. So, which is a big reason I started the Wink Club because I was like, you guys need to meet each other, but I can't be like, hey, you should be friends. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing, like how many how many people who I've met in my child free experience to really just try to c- connect people, and I've done that because it's all been my personal life, and and I have two people here in Houston who I got along with didn't have a ton in common with. And when we just got together as a group, it was like, this is a perfect space for them to really connect because they have a lot more in common and can respect and trust each other in a way that really works for them. And it's, it's a wonderful thing. And that's, I've been lucky, lucky enough to create that naturally. I have, like I was mentioning my friend who lives in the, the Midwest. I, when I was in Vegas, I was visiting another one of my child. She's childless by by circumstance and meeting up with her. And I've got about a just under a dozen really, really just best ofs kind of friends who are all child free or childless. And we've just, we talk every day. We, we talk in a way that is superficial and deep. And that to me is what can happen when, when we stop sitting there and trying to fit ourselves into the old model of what we were going to be and just do it child-free. And, you know, one example of that is going to, you know, baby showers or kids parties. If that's the only way that I can see my friends who now are parents at some point I have to say, I'm, I'm not interested. I'm not interested in, in going mainly because it's me putting in a lot of the effort or which is very common for the child free to, to be asked to do all of the work. You travel to me, whether it's for, for family engagements or whether it's to see friends or even in work settings, you don't have kids. So you can do this extra stuff. You don't have kids. So you can do this extra stuff. And at some point it's more about saying I don't have kids and that's my choice. And it wasn't to make your life easier. It was to make my life fulfilling. Oh, oh, I love that. I'm like seeing like that as a quote. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's it's what we do, right? It's how we motivate each other. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. I feel like this question we probably covered like, but uh, what have you learned from working with other child-free women? Is there anything we haven't touched on so far? I think one of the biggest things, and maybe this is answering the question or it isn't, one of the biggest things I think is important is just like with any group of people, having the label or, you know, wearing the hat or, or whatever is one aspect of who we are. And I know that I wear child-free, you know, unapologetically, pun intended, I guess, very big because it's not only who I am, but what I do. So it covers a big part of my life. Those that aren't living it as their career, as well as their life, I think it's important that I have learned it can be a very small piece of them. 
something that we don't, once the decision has been made and the desire and kind of leaning into life and to find our desires, to make that a reality, that becomes who who a person is. It isn't, you know, hi, my name is Maggie and I'm unapologetically child-free. Like I'm, I'm this and I'm that and I'm this and I'm that. Um, and I yeah. think that's one of the biggest things about the child-free community and working with child-free people is it's sometimes one of the smallest things about us. Right. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. You know, what is the message that you are wanting or actively like putting out into the world? That's a that's a big question. <laughs> I think that the the message is that choice matters and however we decide to live our lives is inherently personal. And myself, you, the people that I work with don't owe anyone an explanation of how they decide to live their lives. And when we allow ourselves to take it on personally, then we can have ownership of it. And if I could, if that could be brandished on a on a billboard or sky written of you don't owe anybody any explanation other than yourself and take ownership of your life, that would be it. Like I mentioned before, child-free by choice or child-free by circumstance, it's about owning the life that you've that you have choosing to embrace and maximize the life that you have versus sitting back and saying, okay, I don't fit the mold. I'll make myself small. I'll make myself quiet. I'll fit into the mold that people want me to fit into. And when people can reject that and replace it with true ownership and confidence with, you know, with that clarity and with that courage that I was mentioning, that to me would be I don't know, a beautiful world. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Uh, Thank you for sharing that. You know, as we wrap up, is there anything else that you want to say to the listeners? I, you know, one of the, the first things that I would, I would want everyone to know is that whether you are in that deciding space or you've made the decision or circumstances have made that decision for you, there are resources and there are people who will get it. And if the first child-free person that you meet isn't that person, there are millions more. And we are getting very, very vocal. There have been things that have happened of late that we're all getting a little bit more vocal and talking about our choices and talking about living a life child-free or childless. And Keep looking for your people and allow yourself to own your life because when you can move from being passive to unapologetically living, then that is the truest form of confidence and strength that I think any of us can have. Well said. So if anyone listening wants to connect with you, follow you, join the collective uh, how can they do so? Yeah. So uh, there's a couple of places. We'll kind of start with the easiest and then get to to the more intense, I guess. Um, the first place is just finding me on my website. You can grab a free starter pack that I've created to give 
scripts on how to answer those bingo questions carefully cultivated with boundaries from my professional counselor um, background. So maggiedickens.com slash free starter pack. And you can grab that. You'll get on my email list. That's the best way to stay in touch with me. I think you heard Anna and I talking about social media and I, (laughs) sometimes we hit or miss of how, how active I am on there. So maggiedickens.com slash free starter pack. And if you know that you're already interested in joining the collective, you can go to maggiedickens.com slash collective and go ahead and get on the wait list. Our next round um, starts in January. And so we're in open enrollment right now. And so even if you're listening to this six, eight, 10 months later, um, you're kind of binging Anna's podcast. You can jump on that and um, get on the wait list for the next time, whenever that would be. Awesome. Thank you so much, Maggie. This was an absolute pleasure to speak with you and to have you on the podcast. And I really appreciate your perspective and your expertise. So thank you. Thank you very much. This was super fun. Oh, good. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) I'll catch you next time. Hey, listener, real quick before you go, if you're curious what it might be like to work with a coach around any aspect of your child-free life or the decision to have kids in the first place, you can book a free 45-minute clarity call with me through my Instagram page. My handle is at Coach Anna Olson, and you'll find a link to book your session in the link tree. I cannot wait to talk to you.